Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As a psychotherapist, somebody might come to me to deal with their PTSD. But if they're struggling with insomnia, I would like to treat the insomnia first. That person has more resilience, personal resilience within themselves to then be able to work on other things. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to psychotherapist and CBTI coach, Sahava Handler. Hello, I'm Steve Whiteley and welcome to Balancing Acts, a series of conversations with an array of creatives. We talk about their journey, the struggles they faced whilst progressing their career, strategies they use to unlock their creativity, how they balance their career with their personal lives, what impact this has had on their mental health and lots more. Using cognitive behavioral therapy, Zahava helps people who suffer from chronic insomnia and teaches them how to sleep better without any external aids. I wanted to get Zahava on the podcast because I worked with her over a period of, I think it was about eight weeks or so last year, having come to my wits end in terms of my insomnia. And uh, I tried lots of things and a friend of mine put me in touch with her and uh, it was transformative for me, as you'll hear in this conversation. I thought it would be interesting for people to listen to this conversation because... I think, you know, as creatives, a lot of us have brains that move a million miles an hour, which can affect our sleep. You know, sometimes you just wake up in the middle of the night with an idea or I used to find when I was doing stand up, I'd be buzzing with adrenaline after gigs. And sometimes I wouldn't be able to sleep all night. I know that's like quite extreme, but people have different various reasons for why they can't sleep. And we cover that in this conversation. And Zahava also explains what led her to go down this path as she describes how she suffered from insomnia and how CBT really helped transform her life for the better. So yes, some of the tips that she gives are super interesting and useful. So for all my fellow insomniacs out there, this one is definitely worth a listen. On a separate note, I have started to write a blog of sorts. They're kind of like, a lot of them are short stories of random things that happened to me in my life. The most recent one is about Uh, A time around Christmas last year when I confronted what I thought was the thief that stole my bicycle. And so it's a story about how I uh, attempted to reclaim my bike. Lots of stuff about general petty behavior. I'm quite big on petty behavior, mostly my own. So um, if you'd like to check out some of these stories, they're on my website uh, under the blog section, uh, stevewhitely.com. 
W-H-I-T-E-L-E-Y.co. I don't know why I spell it out. The name's on the podcast, but it's just become habit by now because a lot of people miss out the initial E and it kind of like riles me up. See, this is the sort of general petty behavior I'm talking about that I write about in some of these stories. So yeah, you can go on there and you can subscribe to my newsletter. If you just go onto the website, uh, the subscribe thing should come drop down straight away. Uh, I'm also in pre-production for my next short film, which is very exciting. Just currently in the casting phase at the moment. And uh, I'm super excited to get on set and just say um, three, two, one action. It's not even my role to say that. It's first ADs, but I just, you know, I just want to say it. Just that's the only reason why I became a director, just so I could say that, you know, with a, with a clapperboard. So uh, very excited about that. Hope you're all enjoying the podcast and are, and are well and happy and brimming with creativity and so forth. And if you haven't done already, please do subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating and reviewing, a positive one, if, if, you, if you fancy that, that would be most lovely. And now, without further ado, over to Zahaba. Perfect. Zahaba, welcome. H- how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, absolute pleasure. You have been a bit of a lifesaver for me. And so I wanted to share your work with others because I'm sure there are many people that suffer from insomnia, but don't necessarily know where they can seek help from or how. And the only reason why I became aware of you was through a friend who recommended you. And since we started working together, obviously my sleep patterns have significantly changed for the better, which has had a positive impact on many other areas of my life. For instance, creativity is a running theme of this podcast and there's no doubt that my insomnia had a had a negative effect and impact on my own creativity and just my output in general so let's kick things off with how did you become a cbti practitioner and what is a cbti practitioner (laughs) okay um so i was in the travel industry i had my own business from home i have four kids and I suffered from insomnia terribly for about 25 years. I started suffering when I was about 12, 13 years old, and I didn't know what it was back then. I tried so many different things, all the stuff that Google tells you, talking to different people, talking to doctors, I didn't get anywhere. And somehow at some point I was sent to this psychiatrist and he sent me to a CBTI program. it just completely changed my life. Before that, I would kind of drag myself out of bed in the morning and by 12, 12.30 lunchtime, not be able to work anymore, have a nap, wait for the kids to get home. My work was not doing that brilliantly. And by seven, I'd be back in bed. Mm-hmm. Really hardly a life. Yeah. Um, everything I did, everything I calculated was all about, you know, can I make it? Can I manage what will happen? What, if, what about going to bed? Just really, really rubbish. And it was transformative. All of a sudden, I was having about six, six and a half hours sleep a night, which is fine for me, after sleeping an average of two to two and a half hours a night. And I was able to work full day and to run around and do things. It, it just changed my life completely. It gave me so many hours in the day. So I went to this psychiatrist. I said, I want to do this. I want to do this for other people. Why did it take me so many years to find this? Why isn't it available? Mm. And he said to me, okay, well, go and study. (laughs) So I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to 
changed careers. I went back to college to become a psychotherapist. And um, then I trained under the same psychiatrist uh, at the Royal London Hospital. And um, now I practice. Wow. I mean, I, speaking from experience, I know like what a relief it is when you've been going without sleep for so long. It's almost like starving your brain of oxygen, you know, and then suddenly you're getting a rush of oxygen. You're like, ah, this is what I've been missing all this time. Uh, CBT. So that, that stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. I'd always heard the term banded around, but I didn't really fully understand the concept behind it. Can you explain how the process of CBT and how it works? Sure. So CBT, yeah, it's a really popular form of short-term therapy and it addresses things like anxiety and depression, things like that. CBTI was created really specifically for insomnia, which is just a fancy term for sleeping problems. Okay. Um, so what, what we do is we, we take the cognitive, which is a real understanding about how sleep works, how brain works, how, how insomnia happens, and then how insomnia perpetuates. And we take the information about the behavioral aspects of us people, and we put them together to create a program of um, how to approach sleep, a program leading you into bedtime, what to do in, when you're in bed if you can't sleep, and then in the morning getting out of bed. So we put all that together, together with therapy, with a therapist like myself, and so we take, we take the information that we know about how the brain works and how sleep works. We take the information we know about how behavior affects the way we think and we act, put it together with therapy and address insomnia very specifically. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I can understand it because obviously I've, I've experienced it. And what I really came away with was this sense of routine, how important routine is in terms of busting insomnia, specifically having a regular bedtime and having uh, the same time of getting up every morning. Would you say that's a big part of trying to move away from insomnia to, to getting a good night's sleep? Yes, it's a really big aspect. One of the myths that people tend to fall into is that if they're not sleeping, they'll stay in bed for longer. Because if I go to bed at 11 and I'm just getting two hours sleep. Well, if I go to bed at nine, maybe I'll get an extra two. Maybe my sleep will be better. And actually, that creates bigger problems. But from my work, what I found is the biggest problem is something that actually I'm planning. I'm in the middle of researching really now, which is called um, anticipatory anxiety. That okay. is the anxiety that builds up as we anticipate something about to happen. And I'd say pretty much everybody I've spoken to who struggles with their sleep. The biggest problem is this fear. I'm going to go to bed. Will I sleep? When I sleep, what's tomorrow going to be like? Oh, tomorrow I've got a big day and I'm not going to cope if I don't get enough sleep and I better get some sleep. And all that thinking mm. stops the person from sleeping. So, yes, we use the sleep restriction, the scheduling. But one of the things we're really working on, which is the therapy aspect, is dealing with that fear. Yeah, I mean, that was something that, that played a big part in my insomnia because it, it just it built up over time this almost like the monster. Every night I'd be going to bed scared of this monster because I know, oh, God, how much 
how long is it going to take tonight? Uh, how long am I, how long is it going to take me to get to sleep? And I think back to all what I consider the hours and hours that I wasted, you know, that could have, I don't know, maybe could have been spent more productively. I had a friend once who said that when she had insomnia, she'd get out of bed, do the hoovering and bake some cookies. I was like, that's a great way to spend insomnia. And I, I know that's not something that you would advise specifically, but do you want to touch upon the 15-minute rule and how that works? Yeah, you've gone right for the jugular there, haven't you? I have, I have. <laughs> the 15-minute rule is the, the one that people hate the most. I, I had um, a client who told me he was going to put my face on a dartboard when he has to get out of bed. <laughs> um the 15 minute rule is that if you're in bed awake add approximately 15 minutes have passed and you don't know exactly because one of the rules is no clock watching. Yeah. But if 15 minutes of being awake has passed, you get out of bed, you leave your bedroom. And that's really hard to do when it's two in the morning or three in the morning and you feel like you've got no hope of, of sleeping. Mm. But it's it's really the clincher. It really helps it to happen because you remove that negative from the bedroom all that you know you're lying in bed and oh I can't believe it I've got four hours left I've got three and a half hours left what am I going to do tomorrow I've got this and that meeting and it's just going in your head the anxiety builds the stress builds you toss and turn all that brings such a, a negative element into the bedroom we want to remove all that negativity from the bedroom. We want the bedroom to be like a haven of peace and calm. So the minute those negative feelings start building, we say, right, get out of bed. We build a nest. <laughs> you remember building your nest. And you do something pleasant and something that de-stresses you. We do some mindfulness work that you can use in your nest if you like. And it just takes that stress down a few notches. And then when you feel ready and sleepy, you can get back into bed. It definitely works. And particularly, I mean, the hardest bit for me about leaving the bed to the nest is when it's sort of a, a cold night, like the heating's off. And the last thing you want to do is get out of bed. But at the same time, for me, I definitely found it broke the cycle of frustration of just sitting there and trying to force myself to get to sleep. And then over time, what you call the nest, whether that's your sofa or wherever else, wherever it might be, that becomes associated with a place of, of rest and relaxation. And what are the activities that you encourage for people to do in the nest? Mm. Um, I call it things you would do on the beach, okay. meaning hopefully you won't be sending any emails on the beach, I hope, mm. yeah. <laughs> but you might be uh, listening to music, listening to podcasts, you might do some mindfulness and then any relaxing activity. So I discovered the love of puzzles and Lego building. Just things that are relaxing, Sudoku and crosswords, do your daily wordle there if you yeah. enjoy doing that. Yeah. Reading a book, go watch a movie. Really try not to take your laptop to the nest because right. the laptop yeah. itself is associated with work. So even though you might want to watch some Netflix on your laptop, it's better not. It's better if you use your phone, if you use an iPad or TV. Okay. So I think the thing for me, being someone that's uh, riddled with ADHD, I found particularly challenging was this idea of the sleep efficiency formula, right? 
where you've given, we have these worksheets and you have to try and work out based on this uh, very intricate calculation, which we won't reveal due to trade secrets, um, <laughs> that leads to your nightly sleep efficiency. Do you want to expand upon that and explain what it is that we're trying to achieve with our sleep efficiency? Hmm. Well, if we were uh, spending time together during the sessions, I would explain about how sleep works and about the different levels of sleep and the different qualities. And one of the things that happens is when people have very interrupted sleep. So it takes a while to fall asleep and then they keep waking and falling asleep and waking and falling asleep. The quality of their sleep is reduced. It doesn't feel so good. So what we try to do is we try to put that sleep together as much as possible. And that's how we do the sleep restriction. That is why we say, you know, get out of your room or go to bed later um, in order to improve the quality of the sleep. So the efficiency is calculating how good are you at using your bed? As in the time you're in bed, how much of it are you sleeping? And what we want to do is we want to make the um, quality better. So we want to make the sleep efficiency better. So if you're in bed for six hours and of those six hours, you're sleeping five and a half, you've got a good sleep efficiency. If you're in bed for six hours, but you're only sleeping two, that's really bad. So we limit how much time you spend in bed in order to improve the quality. And then when you come and you say, right, well, I've been in bed for seven hours and I slept six hours and 50 minutes, your sleep efficiency is fantastic. At that point, we can say, okay, let's try to make your sleep time longer. But first we focus on the quality because there are different types of sleep and we want you to get those really good ones. So when you wake up, you feel refreshed. Do you still calculate your sleep efficiency even now? Um, not using the um, all those calculations that we talked about, not using those sheets anymore, okay. but using my own sense. Yes. So I can tell. And, you know, things can happen in life and sleep. Everybody at some point in their life will have their sleep disturbed. And that's not going to be any less for me. So if something happens and it can be jet lag or it can be a very exciting event um, and, I, and I see that my sleep is affected, I will then kick in with some of the program that I know is going to help me to get my sleep back on track. Um, one of the best things about CBTI is that once you've mastered it, you've learned it, you've got it in your back pocket for the rest of your life. So if anything were to happen in your life, good or bad, that might impact on your sleep, you know what to do, you know how to fix it. So if you suddenly notice, you know, it's been really stressful at work and you've got a couple of bad nights, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow night and it'll be fine. A conversation that you and I had very early doors was, it's something that a lot of people uh, associate with insomnia are the specific fallouts in terms of your health. And when we talked about this, I was quite surprised with your findings. Do you want to do you want to delve into that side of things and um, yeah, explain a bit further? One of the things that pretty much everybody tells me is that they're worried about long-term health conditions that are caused by their lack of sleep. So one of the things we look at is we look at the difference between someone who is living with insomnia 
and someone who suffers from sleep deprivation and what the difference is. Uh, the most amazing thing with the human body is that it learns to cope with things. And therefore someone who has insomnia, they're not getting as much sleep as they need. Their body learns to manage it. So if, um, if we were going on a long drive, I would rather that my driver be someone who has insomnia than someone who doesn't, because the one with insomnia can cope with focusing and staying alert for longer, for more hours than someone who's used to having a regular night's sleep. I know it sounds funny, but it's because of that coping, copability of our bodies. Right. So while somebody has insomnia, they can suffer from various medical conditions, but the vast majority of studies have shown that they're not long lasting. So we might discuss, you know, what might happen, somebody might get diabetes, somebody might get cancer, somebody might get a heart attack as a result of having insomnia. And that is, is simply not true because the body copes. And the beauty is that as soon as we recover from the insomnia and start sleeping well, our body heals, we get better. So don't worry, you're not gonna get dementia or Alzheimer's because you're not getting enough sleep. Perfect. Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, If you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. It must be um, very fulfilling for you to be in this line of work and see, you know, I just, I recall our first meeting and I was just like, I look, I, I'm sure you tell me, but I look like a ghost, right? And I was probably quite grouchy and irritable. And then uh, now we've reached, yeah, then we reached the end of the course. I was still grouchy and irritable, but I didn't look like a ghost. Um, no, I wasn't. I mean, was I? <laughs> no, not grouchy and irritable, but definitely you looked... Um... You looked quite exhausted the first few weeks. And then when we did that eight-week follow-up, you looked like a different person. Yeah. So, I mean, that must be quite a fulfilling experience. It's very exciting. I do love talking to people um, after, you know, because at the beginning, especially when we introduced the 15-minute rule, people are quite, they're really struggling with it. It, It's because it's not easy to do. I mean, you can tell the audience it's not easy. But when you've finished and it's like, I remember what you said to me on the follow-up. I said to you, how's your insomnia? And you said, what insomnia? I don't have insomnia. And and that was that was just wonderful to hear. Yeah. And um there were, you know, I, I remember feeling a bit overwhelmed because there's a lot, there's a lot of things you have to carry out. There's a lot of let's say paperwork, but a lot of admin. I think I mentioned that earlier, it's quite a bit of admin, and you have to be quite disciplined with that and and regimented. And that all ties in with routine aspect of it. But I thought I, f- I felt that once, once I got into the rhythm of it, it became a bit like second nature. Yeah, exactly. CBT is known for the homework that a therapist will give a client. And this is very similar. Uh, every week there is the, the sleep diary sheet and every we add different exercises, and things and rules and for the first month or month and a half, it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. But then once you've sort of seen the big picture 
and you get to grips with it, then it just becomes part of your routine. Absolutely, yeah. And I think um, more than anyone, my girlfriend is singing your praises for uh, <laughs> for having <laughs> having a boyfriend that's not as uh, irritable and uh, grouchy. So um, you mentioned that you're doing further research on this. Can you are you able to expand on that and? briefly tell us in what direction you're going to be going with that in terms of research and insomnia? Sure. It's right at the beginning at the moment. Um, and it's more, well, what I'm doing is I, because I, I've really noticed about the fear of going to bed. Yeah. Um, this anticipatory anxiety. I, I really want to see what happens if we tackle the anticipatory anxiety what would be the outcome? How would that reduce the insomnia? And also putting it together with what we call in the profession comorbidities, which is other conditions alongside. So for example, um, it, insomnia goes together with depression, with all sorts of general anxiety disorders, with PTSD. And what I'd like to see is if we look at depression, PTSD, et cetera, and we tackle the insomnia by dealing with the anticipatory anxiety. Does any of this make sense? No, it does, because we talked about this at the beginning, that I felt that a lot of my insomnia was linked to PTSD. And so um, it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very often, insomnia might be a byproduct of something else. Mm. Um, sometimes it does stand on its own, but there might be something underlying going on there. And, and if we can just deal with that anxiety of going to bed, of that monster that you were talking about earlier, then that might really help with the depression and the PTSD. And that, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because they're so interlinked, aren't they? Lack of, lack of sleep is going to have an adverse impact on other areas of your mental health. Yeah, and I have seen some studies that have been done in the past where if the uh, depression was dealt with on its own or, or the PTSD, mm. then the level of success is at a certain amount. I, I don't recall the numbers offhand, but when the comorbid insomnia was dealt with, then that had an impact on the depression that lasted much, much longer. Okay. And I think it's about um, resilience and coping. So as a psychotherapist, somebody might come to me to deal with their PTSD. But if they're struggling with insomnia, I would like to treat the insomnia first. So that person has more resilience, personal resilience within themselves to then be able to work on other things. Yeah, that makes sense. And when I started to work with you, I was taking a lot of sleeping pills. And your immediate advice was to stop. And that sent me into uh, panic overload. Why are you against sleeping pills as a remedy for insomnia? Okay. So are you talking about over-the-counter ones or like their drugs? I'm talking about whatever I can get my hands on. <laughs> okay. So over-the-counter ones, you know, they can help um, in, a small, in a small way. Okay. But over time, they're not going to be that helpful. You know, uh, melatonin is one that people, you know, you can buy it in America over the counter yeah. and it's really popular. Uh, the, the American melatonin tends not to be that pure. So if somebody is going to get melatonin, like ask your GP for prescription to get the purer form that 
you can get here from the pharmacy. Um, in terms of the Z drugs, those are the proper sleeping pills are prescribed by a doctor. They work in knocking you out. They do. Um, but a few things happen. Firstly, the unpleasantness of being knocked out in that way and the sleep is not that great uh, in terms of quality. But it does its job. Your body gets used to it. So over time, you might have to increase the dosage. And that's usually what happens. And depending on how long someone's on it for several years, they will find that they're increasing on maybe a yearly rate and then on a half yearly rate, they're increasing. And the problem is that, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years down the line, and they need to take some other form of medication, which doesn't go with azopiclone or whatever they've been put on. It, it doesn't do them any favors. And who wants to be on drugs like lifelong? So I would say when we talked about it, you and I, um, you weren't taking anything regularly. Mm. And, and that's why I said, okay, just forget it. Like if you're taking two nights a week or three nights a week, forget it. I have worked with people who are taking something regularly that's prescribed by the GP. And in that case, we titrate back very, very slowly after the program has ended. Because you don't want to be not sleeping and withdrawing from your drug. Yeah, yeah. Get your sleep. And then withdraw slowly. Yeah, you don't want to go cold turkey. No, not with that. No, no. Um, okay, that's really that's really interesting and gives uh, an insight into to your workings. Outside of your work as a CBTI sleep therapist, what do you do to to relax and unwind as a hover? Okay. Um, well, I love to bake. And I bake with my kids and we make a massive mess with all the icing. It's a lot of fun. And during lockdown, I discovered painting. And I'm really rubbish. <laughs> you and me both. Join the queue. But it's really, really relaxing. It is, isn't it? I was, I was doing it the other day with my five-year-old niece. And it, I felt like it was the first time I'd done that type of painting since I was at school. It's funny. I thought part of me got really frustrated with myself because I was really rubbish. But another part of me said, oh, this is actually, this is quite enjoyable. It's very relaxing. Yeah, yeah. So we get all the plastic tablecloths covering out all the furniture, get the paints out, go for it. Sometimes the whole family together. It's a lot of fun. Great. And how have you managed to balance your career with being a mum of four? Mm. It's a good question. And before, before I did this and I was struggling with insomnia and I was living a half-life, and I feel as though I was just holding on, you know, with the skin on my teeth. Um, and, and I think that one of the biggest problems was boundaries. But as soon as I did this program and I learned boundaries, like you said earlier, I've picked up boundaries. And it's um, the ability to say, at this point, I'm going to end and I'm going to move into my personal life. And I'm not going to let one overtake the other. That's interesting. Did you discover the idea of boundaries because of the work that you were doing with CBTI or was it just your general work as a psychotherapist? Um, I would say it was together. Okay. Uh, as a psychotherapist, um, it's really important to be boundaried, especially, you know, I, I care very much about my clients and the, the experiences that they share with me can be really, really difficult. Yeah. And it's important to be able to bracket that and move into my life without it affecting me negatively. It's, a, it's quite a balance because I, I, ha, I, I have incredible empathy 
for my clients. Yeah. But I, I must be careful not to absorb too much of it into myself. Did you find at first when you started working as a psychotherapist that you were impacted and affected by your yeah your work with your clients? Uh, occasionally, and, and it still happens sometimes, yeah. uh, without a doubt. Um, only last week, I was really, really touched by some of the stories that I was hearing. And I needed to sort of end and just take a breather for myself a moment, maybe meditate for just a few minutes to come back into myself. And before leaving the room to leave it all behind. Right. So I'm thinking about the classic, the classic case of uh, Dr. Amalfi in Sopranos. She's, have, have you seen Sopranos? I haven't. <laughs> uh, Zahava, you have to watch it. You have to watch it. As, as a psychotherapist, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but do, do you know the premise? It's about a mob boss. That? Yeah. A yeah. mob boss who's suffering with depression and starts to see a therapist is... Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the basic premise. So I think you'd find it very interesting. <laughs> Definitely worth a watch. Okay, uh, next question I wanted to ask you is, have I, are, is, are there any books that stand out to you uh, in the course of your time that have had a major impact on you in some shape or form? I think Irvin Yalom's books. Okay. Um, he's an American psychotherapist and um, he writes very simply in a very straightforward way a very easy to read I, I do enjoy his work okay. and um Viktor Frankl's um yes. man search for meaning of you know brilliant book. I don't know it's one of the best out there isn't it yeah. and it's very touching um especially as my my grandmother is an Auschwitz survivor so reading his book and and how he survived um with hope. It was all about hope, wasn't it? Really very beautiful. Yeah, it was uh, just life affirming, wasn't it? You, you, it puts, puts things into perspective for sure. Yeah. And my final question to you, uh, Zahava, is what does the idea of balance mean to you or not? Hmm. I think that balance means um, being comfortable with your life. I think that we all go through good patches and bad patches and nothing's ever perfect but within that middle of taking the good and taking the bad and balancing them together that is the perfect that's a great answer thank you where can people find out more about you and your work and uh, how they can cure their insomnia <laughs> well i have a website and the website is insomniahealing.com you're welcome to contact me through there Okay, fantastic. So, Harvard, thank you very much. Been uh, great talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Perfect. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.